Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast of the VikingAge.com. My name is Chris Shad. I write for the Viking Age as well as zone coverage. Bring me the news and the Brookings Register. We do this every Monday and normally Thursday right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. And on we're on Apple and Spotify the very next day. But however you consume us, rate, comment, like, and subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Today's guest is Luke Braun of the Locked On Vikings podcast. I normally give people a big interview, but he's on his tight schedule because he's been grinding the tape of last night's preseason games until his eyes bleed. So let's jump into this. Like, Luke, who are some of your winners from last night's preseason opener against the Seahawks? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go too far off the beaten path with that. Uh, Ivan Pace is the one everybody can't stop raving about. Incredible game. Very involved, shooting gaps, uh, filling at the line of scrimmage and being... And, and and filling with enough authority where you don't get blown back despite being a small guy. That was a concern I had going into the game, and he couldn't have answered that call any better. Um, plus, I mean, getting just blitzing in like a like a bat out of hell and blowing up an offensive lineman a couple of different times. Can't say enough. Uh, Ty Chandler also had a really, really nice day, especially as a check down option and um, converting a couple of third and longs uh, on check down situations where, where whatever happened downfield didn't work. Those are probably the two biggest winners in terms of um, like roster position and, and, and ground that they gained. But a couple other players really showed out like Kyrie's Tonga and Patrick Jones, who had their roster spots are fairly well secured, but they both had excellent games. They lived in the backfield. Patrick Jones had good plays in kind of a lot of different settings um, and from a, a, a lot of different alignments, which is really, really cool. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's a few. What was that for? Is that enough for you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm surprised you didn't lead off with your special teams guy. Oh, like, yeah. Like Najee Thompson, a, baby. Yeah. He had that, <laughs> yeah, he had that yeah, clip yeah. that went viral and everybody's like, this is how you make an NFL roster. Like, I think that's one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Uh, he's so he came on my show a couple months ago like right after he got signed uh, in undrafted free agency. And he was a very curious case because he was only a corner for a couple of years. He was a wide receiver and then changed positions. So he wasn't that good at corner. And usually you see guys like that and they're like crazy athletes. But Najee Thompson didn't test that well athletically either. So like, what's the deal with this? And after talking to him, he is a special teamer, like by identity. He's like, yeah, I guess I'm learning corner a little bit, but mostly I'm a punt gunner. And like, that's, you never see that. You never see some, but like everybody sees special teams as a means to an end, you know, a way to, all right, I'll use special teams and I'll make the team and then I'll, you know, kind of try to blossom from there. But eventually I want to get in from scrimmage for Najee Thompson. I mean, he'll do whatever you, you want him to, but for him, special teams is the art. Um, and I remember there's only one other guy that I've covered that I can remember feeling that, that or that I can remember having that personality trait of special teams. And it's Kenny Wongwu, who's arguably the best kick returner in the league. So I think when you get guys that really dedicate themselves to it and aren't 
you know, a lot of guys are just kind of like, yeah, I also I do special teams. It's, it's an afterthought. And he's going up against guys that use it as an afterthought. He makes plays like that. I thought it was kind of a rough night for special teams overall, but I mean, it does yeah. have value. I mean, how many times over the past couple of years have we seen Dan, the ultimate weapon, Chisna, get be the first guy down there and Rack immediately star. miss a tackle like that. Uh, that was a refreshing change of pace. Yeah. And what's funny is they actually have somebody who's faster than Chisena on the roster right now in uh, Kalon Barnes, I believe, ran a faster 40 around four two three, um, but not starting as, as a punk gunner. So, no, no, I, I don't think he's starting as that. corner either after that uh, touchdown he gave up in the fourth quarter last night. <laughs> no, it takes more than a 40 time to, to be a football player. That's for sure. Yeah, um, I went into last night's game and I wasn't really sure what to expect. I mean, obviously, I've been following training camp. I don't know if it's fatigue or whatever. Just like, all right, let's let's get to the regular season already. I, I was feeling that before the game. So I made some chicken wings. I made, I cracked a couple of beers and I was watching the game. And one of the sure, things I wanted to see. What's that? I said lube up. Sure. I, exactly. Night game? It, it's it's preseason for the fans too, Lou. So, I mean, <laughs> we, we all got to get our things going. If, if making chicken wings at 930 at night for a preseason game is wrong, I don't want to be right. Like, that, that that's all like I want to say. Evening. But I wanted to see the backfield because we heard rumblings last week about maybe things aren't really settled behind Alexander Madison. Maybe they might sign a veteran like Kareem Hunt's out there poking around. And I think Ty Chandler did a great job of seizing that role. I know Kane Wangwu was out with an injury. He was uh, listed second on the unofficial depth chart, but Chandler got the ball a lot. I think he touched the ball more than any other offensive player. And compared to his competition, I mean, Abram Smith looked okay. He was fine. And Dwayne McBride was an absolute disaster last night with the kickoff return. Didn't get a lot of help from his offensive line, but you can definitely see the learning curve there. So I, do you think the backfield's kind of settled going into the year or could you still see them adding a veteran after life? I don't know if they were ever going to add a veteran. Um, I think they were always pretty happy with Ty Chandler. I, it, it, this is one of those things where it's, it's not that Ty Chandler proved something that was previously unknown. We just got to see it for the first time, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I think and he it looked like that was the way things were going in camp as well, that he was very clearly winning that RB2 job. And of course, he was competing, rotating with Kenny Wongwu about that. But hey, can't make the club in the tub, right? Um, that's really the wild card here is if Kenny Wongwu can get in and get some preseason reps and get healthy for that, then you see you, you might see some more pushing in, on that RB2 job. Hey, maybe Wongwu is also thriving, right? Um, I don't know if I'd call McBride a disaster, though. That feels a little harsh. He had a, a, a rough misread on one of the first plays. Um, and I think as the game went on, the uh, the the rhythm of it sort of started to settle in. I, I saw progression, I guess, a little bit more consistency later in the game. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens in the joint practices and in the next preseason game where I'm sure he'll get lots and lots of run. Uh, and if he can sort of like that was his first NFL action ever. Right. Sure. Like, let's let's see if, if now that he kind of knocked the cobwebs off, something else can can come through. Abram Smith didn't really do much for me in those two guys. Here's the, I, I do think D-Wade McBride is further away from making the roster than he was before. Like it was a negative night for sure, for sure. But mm -hmm. uh, guys who were a disaster, I would say like I would give that to like William Quinn, who had two yeah. penalties on special teams, 
misfit a run and got hurt. Like that's the worst a night can possibly go for you. I think so. So maybe this is just me, but I mean, I've, I've made this joke on the show before about how like Isaiah Pacheco apparently is the best running back in the NFL. If you talk to anybody because he's cheap, he's a seventh round rookie and everything else. Like I, you know, the Pope <laughs> meme, like it's like, Oh, Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah. Baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, win a Super seventh Bowl. Round, you get that. He's so right? cheap. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll be like, Hey guys, I've been doing really good. Can I get a raise? No, go away. Go away. Uh, we're putting you on timeout. We're just going to lock you in this broom closet. That is basically what it is. So like when Dwayne McBride comes in, you know, I, I think the Vikings need to get rid of Dalvin Cook. I didn't think he was very efficient for the money he was being paid. But at the same time, I worry about this backfield because I feel like Alexander Madison is just a guy. I, I feel like Ty Chandler is just a guy who lights up preseason games. And I looked at McBride. You see the college tape. You see all that stuff. And you're like, that's the guy I want to take this job. And last night was disappointing in my eyes. Yeah, I think if you expected D. Wayne McBride to come in and steal away a starting job, yeah, you're definitely coming away disappointed. Here's what I need from a running back. And and this has changed a lot over the years as I've kind of gone through the cycle of hearing, you know, uh, running backs don't matter and then kind of realizing how they matter and trying to reconfigure the way that I think about it. So here's what I need from a running back. And I think you get this easy from both Madison and Chandler. I need you to read the play quickly and I need you to read it right. I need you to buy the mesh point, know which gap you're taking, and I need you to be right about that. Um, and then I need you to hit the hole fast or get through the hole fast, I guess, whether that means you have a lot of acceleration and it's an athleticism thing, whether that's because you read the play so early that you're getting through the gap before it can close, but you just got to get through that hole because it closes quickly. So if you can pick the right hole and get through it, everything else is gravy. I don't care what kind of juice you have. I don't care about all of that stuff because from an analytical perspective, the last, uh, 40 yards of a 50 yard run matter less than the first 10. So I want someone who is consistent and Madison, very consistent. He, he knows where he's going. He knows how to read the plays. Um, and Ty Chandler showed me the same thing last night. He showed me the same thing in the preseason last year, too. So I'm OK with those guys as as sort of a Madison Chandler one, two kind of thing, whatever configuration you want to do, however fresh you want to keep people. And then again, it's can we see that out of Wong Wu? He did not show me that last year in the preseason. Um, so can he show me that this year? That would be a really big improvement for him uh, that would get me pretty jazzed on, on the room. But yeah, I, the, the Dalvin cook thing, it's a, it's a, it's gravy, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, another thing that helps is hanging onto the ball as uh, somebody who I'm not really sure if he's a bot or not, but he says McBride is a fumble <laughs> machine. That so, was a problem uh, in college. He didn't have any last year or last night, though, did he? No, I uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think, think so? he just took a bad like the two plays that were burned into my brain were the kickoff return and the bad fourth and one. That was pretty much it for me. And that's where I was kind of like, oh, damn, like this might not work. But bad fourth and one. Now, the fourth and one. I think was on the tight end. I think it was Ben. Yeah. I think it was Colin Thompson okay. and he got smacked in the backfield. So I don't necessarily ascribe that to him, but I w- would want to look at it again because things go fast. I would want to see it from the end zone angle and see, oh, maybe he made the wrong read or something like that. I'd be willing to concede that. Um, I don't care about the kickoff return either. That's Kenny's job. So, right. <laughs> you're, um, you're never went taking it from him. Um, my apologies, too. He said, I'm not a bot. I watch you all the time. Big fan. Well, we That's appreciate exactly that. what a bot would Ch- say. <laughs> we we don't know we got another one here i'm not gonna try and pronounce that name but uh he also thinks that tonga had a great game because he says it's tonga time 
Um, Luke, let's go on to the second one. Who are some of the losers from last night's game in your mind? Um, yeah, I I mentioned Quenku was a big one. Uh, I I talked about this on Lockdown Vikings as well. I I did put McBride down as kind of a loser of the game. Just also because Ty Chandler widened that gap so much, you know. Uh, and then Andrew Booth. Here's the thing. Maybe I'm being too hard on him because it's really one one play. And I think the rest of the game was pretty solid. I don't think he was even targeted a separate time. But he got smoked on a double move by an undrafted rookie in the yeah. third quarter of a preseason game. That can't happen. You can't you can't bite on a on a sluggo when the guy running it is Jake Bobo. You know, yeah. um, and hey, maybe maybe Jake Bobo is the second coming. Maybe, maybe he's their Ivan Pace over there and, and listening to Seahawks stuff like locked on Seahawks. It kind of sounds like they are pretty, pretty stoked on him. So maybe I'm I'm underrating him. But um, to me, that is the mark of a rough night. But again, we'll see what happened on the rest of it. It seemed like the outside, both Joan Williams and Andrew Booth were uh they, they were not testing the outsides. And maybe that's just Drew Locke not wanting to throw those balls. Um, but also it kind of sucks for Booth because Joe Juan Williams had a good night. Yeah. He had a couple of, of, of really sound tackles. He had that great pass breakup in the end zone. Um, and, and that's your, you're kind of jockeying for position there. And then the other loser for me was Lewis seen. So it sucks. It's like it's Booth and scene. Um, yeah. But for me, and, and I don't think a lot of it showed up. This is going to be one of those times where nobody says anything about Lewis scene. And then the PFF grade comes out and everybody's got an opinion all of a sudden. Um, that is definitely their own that they came up with on their own expertise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the here's what I saw. I saw him get bowled over a couple of times. I saw him miss a couple of tackles. Uh, that'll kill your PFF grade. And then I saw him laid over the top a bunch of times. Uh, I, I saw a gap that was way too wide once on a, on an over route between him and Ivan Pace. I think that was more Pace's fault, but it's always going to be a little bit of a takes two to tango thing. Those guys should be able to space with each other. Um, it, there were a lot of subtle plays with Lewis scene that just weren't right. And his closing speed was awesome, but there was also this sort of physicality where he just, he, he would pop a guy and bounce off him, you know, uh, like, in the same way Ivan Pace would, but Ivan Pace is so much smaller that you expect that. Yeah. Uh, and Lewis seen, he was also tackling really high. So there was the, the first play was, it was an awesome close, uh, that very first tackle. And then he tackles the guy around the neck. That'll get you a penalty a whole bunch of the time. It's a dangerous way to do it. And also you, people are going to slip away from that tackle, which also happened to him later in the, in the night. So I think, I yeah. think one of your locked on, uh, cohorts, Sam Ekstrom actually pointed it out that, you know, the Vikings have no problem employing safeties that can light people up, but a lot of them don't wrap up. And that's the problem. Right. If you don't wrap up, if you're just looking to get on, you know, I'll date myself here, jacked up or whatever. Um, yeah. You're going to have a bad time exactly. in today's NFL. Zach Charbonnet has a low center of gravity. You're not going to knock him over. You right. got to get him around the hips and take him down like a real boy. Yeah. Um, I had... Another, I mean, let, let's talk about this because the 2022 draft class, I think, lost as a collective whole because they seem to be really, I don't know, underwhelming maybe is the word. Maybe they're lo- I don't think they're losing their grip on their roster spots, at least on most of them. But it, it just doesn't seem like they got a good return because you look back at that draft. I think everybody's obsessed with Jameson Williams. But remember, I, Kyle he also Hamilton. isn't playing with the first team right now. Correct. It's, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's one of those. It's like the RG3 trade where everyone loses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just everybody's like, oh, look at these. Look, the Rams got the draft picks and yeah. Washington got the quarterback and everybody's going to live happily ever after. And they're both like, God, why did we do that? So that, that yeah, was a bad idea. Everyone's like, well, you know, and that's the thing about the draft. Sometimes you trade a bunch of picks that don't work out for picks that don't work out. I will say about the 2022 class though, that also gave us um, Ed Ingram starting guard. 
and yes. uh, are, are Ryan you Asamoah. Concerned that he started last night, or is that just kind of a eh, hold on? I don't think so. The Vikings are really short on guards. It might have been that. It might have been a hey, you know, you you struggled a little bit. We need you to get you more reps. But I think if any, it's it's a we need to get you more reps, not a hey, you're competing for a job. Because I don't think anybody on that roster is even close. Like Blake Brandell is, I think, the only one who at who is playing even remotely competently at guard after Ingram and and Ezra Cleveland. So I don't think anybody's pushing him. And maybe they brought in Reisner for a workout and they're like, maybe we'll sign him and, you know, put you to the bench or something like that. But I kind of feel like if that was the case, they already would have done that because they're just sitting there and anybody else can go swoop in and take it from them. You know, like, what are you going what, to what are you holding out for Jack Snyder? Like, I don't I don't I don't think so. But yeah, look, Asamoa, uh Ingram, Evans, that's three starters. They just didn't come in the rounds that you think. And so it, it you, you can kind of do this glass half empty, glass half full thing where you can look at, hey, that middle part was actually pretty sick. That top part wasn't so much. But if you say, hey, you're going to come out of the 2022 draft with three starters and two backups. That's not bad. They, they've done yeah. worse. Like, uh, what was it? Sure 2016? Have. Yeah, the, tw- the Treadwell year. Was off the, and, and then you had 2020, which I or no, 2020 was a Which was banger. an absolute disaster. Yeah, tw- yeah. 2020 won that third round. Yeah. But at least they got Derisaw. Yes. But yes. The, the, the 2020 draft was a total banger. Like, if you look yes. back at that, like, that's like half our rosters from that draft right now. It's it's Rick Spielman's last hurrah. It was like, all yeah, right, I was I'm going Jefferson Darrison back to back years. Yeah. Um, so Ed Ingram, I mean, and the other thing, too, I, I was kind of watching Ingram and I'm kind of like, ah, he's kind of doing the which way did he go type of thing in the line. But uh, you also mentioned Nick Mullins was holding onto the ball a lot. Right. Um, yeah, I, I got to see what's Hassan, going on downfield before I yeah, like really assign blame. And Arif Hassan called it has a panicking. Uh, yeah, is a that's word, a great but, word for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am going to mix that into my uh, vocabulary right now. Um, I, I don't see too many overall losers from last night outside of Booth. Maybe you had a couple of special teamers. Quentin, right. of course, was a guy that you mentioned. Um, it, it's guys like I, Christian Delorio who give up a bunch of pressures, but it's like he wasn't going to make the team. But, you know, hey, there's always that guy that isn't going to make the team until he is, you know? And that's what these preseason games are. If Christian Delorio went out there and had the game of his life, maybe we talk about him. Instead, he got his butt kicked and now he's out of the conversation, you know? Correct. I guess coming out of all this, we got winners, we got losers. What's your general takeaway from last night? Because I don't know, it's preseason game number one. Everybody was kind of sleepy, late kickoff. Like what what did you take away that really kind of resonated with you yeah this time of year is a lot more about the individuals than the team like i don't care about the score i don't care about the production or anything like i don't care what what drew lock was able to accomplish against jalen williams or not like whatever um but here's the, the individual stuff is probably my main takeaway what we've been talking about so far but if you want something general in the first half at least the vikings were the more physical team they really beat up the seahawks the Vidarian Lowe's and Oli Udo's and um, Austin Schlotman's of the world, Ingram part of that. And the Ty Chandler game that we saw doesn't happen with the guy without the guys blocking up front, right? And the tight ends in particular too. Josh Oliver putting a guy in the ground. Johnny Munt, I think, had uh, a, a, a drive block where he just like sent somebody about 10 yards downfield. Nick Muse killed a guy once. Like those plays 
<laughs> kind of broke the spirit of the Seahawks by halftime, honestly. And what I saw at, at the end of the half, the Seahawks had a possession that kind of wasn't really a possession. And then they jogged off to the locker room like they looked so different from the way they looked at the start of the game. They were amped coming out. The crowd was going. They were ready. It's preseason football's back, right? They were like there was a tackle for loss and the guy was like celebrating in the end zone like he got a safety in the Super Bowl. And by the end of it, they looked like they didn't want to play anymore. That's yeah. the effect that I want to have on everybody. I want you to come play against the Vikings. And by the end of that game, I want you to not want to play anymore. I love it. The 2017 team had that a little bit where they were this physical team. They were able to throw it up a little bit. But, um, you know, last year, I think it was more just like I, I think it was reversed. Like you watch quarterback and you saw Kirk Cousins getting pounded into the right. turf and, you know, him kind of being like, ah, gosh, like Adam Thielen's trying to tell him coverages in the Buffalo game. And he like he, he doesn't want to hear it because his ribs are like, you know, crushed. Um, I, I agree with that. And I think that's what the Vikings wanted to do. You know, when the Vikings went into free agency and they signed Josh Oliver immediately, you know, everybody was kind of like, what the hell are they doing? And then they extend CJ ham. They, they get rid of Dalvin cook. They try to create this more efficient running game. And like, instead of turning into Mike Zimmer, which I, some people might've saw that, I don't know. Are they going to run the ball a hundred times? No, they, they want to be able to run the ball. Because A, it's going to wear them down like you talk about. And B, I think that once we get the first team in there, which by the way, Jordan Addison, nice catch on the sideline. Got to gotta point that, that out. counts in my heart. It counts in the minds of Vikings fans. That they'll <laughs> always have that preseason catch. And five years from right. now, we'll be like, what was your favorite preseason moment? Some might be like Kyle Sloater. Some might be like Andre. Teddy Hall, Bridgewater uh, leading Alexander him back. Yes. 2014, baby. The 2016, uh, you know, him juking a Chargers, oh, Chargers. defender out Gosh. of his shoes. Like, we're going to be like, remember that catch Jordan Addison had? I know it didn't count, but that that was awesome. Like the Vikings, if they're able to turn into this team that can run the ball efficiently and successfully and beat up the other team, that is going to make them so much more effective when they do choose to open it up and throw a bomb to Justin Jefferson or to KJ Osborne underneath. I That is probably one of the most encouraging developments of the night. And it is one of the things that I think they're going to set out to do this season. Have you listened to the play callers, the, uh, the athletic podcast series by Jordan Rodrigue? I started, I have a, uh, for one of my jobs, I have a soccer doubleheader on Saturday. So I think I'm going to fire that up while I'm sitting nice. there taking photos, but yes. So in it, I'll spoil one thing for you in it. Sure. Uh, Kyle Shanahan talks about the 2019 playoff game against the Vikings. And he says, um, you know, he realized that basically because there was like an O-line disaster and the offense was having its own problems, couldn't move the ball. And he realized, I'm pretty sure I can keep calling runs and they can't stop these runs. I'm just going to keep calling runs till they stop it. And he's he's like, yeah, we ran like 75% of the time that game. And you remember how that went because the Vikings could not stop that run. There is, if you can run and they can't stop it, there's no easier way to win a football game. If you can just keep spamming the same play and they just cannot stop it. And in that game, the, the 49ers had an eight play drive with no passes on it for a touchdown. Yeah, it was disgusting. And I think that was honestly the day Zimmer died. <laughs> and, and remember, Green Bay had the same fate because Raheem Mostert, didn't he run for like 250 yards or something in that right. NFC championship game? And right. That that 2019 49ers team was one of the apexes of Kyle Shanahan kind of like figuring stuff out. But yeah, he was just like, F it. We're just going to keep running. And he literally like thought that on the sideline. He's like, it, it was like playing Madden. Like, well, I'll just keep calling it till they stop one. And then eight plays later, he had a touchdown. <laughs> it, it, it is interesting. And, and I mean, 
same coaching tree, everything else. You know, you got the zone blocking scheme. I'm pretty high on the Vikings offense. I guess, uh, you know, we can't take away much from the defense last night. But how did you feel about the defense's performance? I mean, we're not seeing everything because Brian Flores is going to open the curtain in week one. But what did you think from the early returns? And yet we still saw a whole bunch of blitzes. Yes. I, I talked about it on my show and people in the comments were like, he's not going to blitz in the preseason. He's not going to show it. <laughs> sure enough, Ivan Pace flying around in the backfield. Um, but their their blitzes are more of a system than like, OK, we're going to call. Here's my diagram and here's this play and here's it's a lot of blitz packages are run like an offense. This is run more like a like a protection scheme or something or like a coverage where there's rules. Uh, and we sort of saw that you know, a lot of duress. But we also saw that when blitzes are picked up, you get lots of one-on-one situation. And, you know, late in the game, that's Kalon Barnes getting beat for a touchdown and, like, kind of mossed out of it, right, on a back shoulder. Um, obviously, Kalon Barnes is not going to be an issue for the 2023 Vikings in the regular season unless things go very weird. But <laughs> the the, the uh, concept is still the same. If you pick up the blitz, you get a one-on-one matchup. And there are a lot of ways to lose a rep one-on-one. Maybe you fall over on the back shoulder. Maybe you just get beat. Maybe you're like Andrew Booth. It's a it's a double move, and, and now there's all of this space. You just throw a nice uh, seven iron to the to the pylon, and it's a free touchdown. You know, maybe you lose it to catch point. Maybe you lose it to release. There's a lot of ways to lose a one on one rep, and if you pick up the blitz, it will come down to those one on one reps. So we will see these moments where oh my god, we got fifty percent pressure on this game, but they also hit a whole bunch of explosives on us because Makai Blackman got beat on a slant over the middle. Or because Jay Ward didn't, uh, you know, close down the space properly in uh, and underneath. I think it was a, a, a like a red three or something like that that the they scored the the touchdown on. Um, those mistakes will be extra exposed unless the blitzes get home, which they do a lot, but not always. And so we're going to be in this huge up and down world. The defense is going to be exhausting. <laughs> That's what this is going to be. The Vikings are going to exhaust you. There's my 2023 Minnesota Vikings preseason or preview. They will make you tired. They they will make you. Yes, you will be. Exhausted. And not, not your opponent, not their opponent necessarily. No, you the fan, you will be stressed. You'll need you'll need like a wind down you and a cup of tea and a nice Last bath. year's team, though, too, with the eight fourth quarter comeback. Right. So it's like, yeah, yeah I, I, I need to take a shower after this game. Holy right. shit. Like, what just happened? <laughs> um, Let's wrap things up, Luke. What's going on at Locked On Vikings right now? Yeah. Um, so we're into season mode, preseason mode, basically. So the Everyman series has wrapped up. So your favorite Viking player, as long as it wasn't someone signed uh, in the last like week, like I didn't get to like Copeland or Nikhil Harry, but and basically anybody before that, I have done a puff piece profile on them somewhere in the uh, last couple months of Locked On Vikings. So go check that out. I'll be doing, if I can find the tape for this, I'll be doing a, a tape review on uh, patreon.com slash NFL, as well as a sister podcast on Locked On Vikings like I did last year. And we're, we're right in the swing of things, baby. And by the way, make sure you check out Luke Braun's History of the Vikings documentary. Yeah. Even though, we're, even though we're a year out from when it was aired, pretty much the same thing going on right now. It is fantastic. Sure. I, um, I think I'll probably do... Like, I don't think I'll be able to stop myself from whenever the Kevin O'Connell era, like w- whenever the decade is over, you know, or, or this era is over because it kind of went. It, it was great because I did it at the end of the Zimmer era. So I, it was like we're now in a new chapter. And whenever this chapter is over, I'll probably do an episode eight. But right now there's seven episodes. Go watch them all right now. Patreon.com slash Luke Brown NFL. No paywall. All for free. You can just go enjoy. When uh, Kevin O'Connell gets fired in horrific fashion. Uh, yeah. Yes. That's, <laughs> when, he gets, that's when Luke will when hit They don't the let him again. on the bus in 2028 or whenever it happens. Right. Like. <laughs> 
Where can people follow you on social media as well? Sure. Luke Brown NFL on Twitter, uh, Lockdown Vikings on Twitter, and then, of course, the Patreon page. Well, Luke, thank you for coming on. Of course, this is the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast of thevikingage.com. We do this every Monday and Wednesday at 6.15 p.m. Central Time. <coughs> Magic of live YouTube. <coughs> um, you can catch us on Apple and Spotify the very next day. But however you listen, rate, comment, like, and subscribe so you never miss a new episode. For Luke Braun, I am Chris Shad, and we'll talk to you next time on the Viking Age Podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.